0: Good morning, Twelmy Community Baptist Church. This is Pastor George uh here for our podcast. I'm um, so thankful that you are tuning in. I realize um these are very very difficult times for us to to be in, but we're here and we're maintaining and praise God that i I think I think this thing is winding down. I'm still believing and I'm still confident that maybe within the next few weeks we can possibly be together here at church, and I'm so looking forward to it. I miss everyone. Uh, I hope you've been able to keep up with this series and follow along, because uh, I'm sure having fun with this one. This this is one of my favorites. The This sermon series that we're in is called Sons, Not Servants, and this is part two. It's a three-part series that comes out of Luke 15, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, Luke 15, it says that he, they, the father were to bring out to the prodigal son the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Well, this is where the three part comes from. Last week, we talked about the robe of righteousness. And it's, uh was very powerful. And I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you've learned from it. Luke 15 is, for me, one of the most profound Um, chapters in the Bible that Jesus gave us um, and showed us that we are children of God because in some ways uh, I know I feel like the prodigal son myself. There's so many times I've turned and walked away from God and, and yet he is always there waiting for me to return and I'm just so thankful for that. So let's get into this message today. It's called the Ring of Authority one of the most powerful parables Jesus ever told is about the prodigal son in Luke 15. There's so much that we can learn from this parable. In this week's series, I'm going to share with you that we are not slaves or servants of God, but we are his children. Now, don't get me wrong. We are to serve God. And I know that even the Apostle Paul said, I am a slave to to Him, and we are if if we truly love God and we believe everything that He has taught us, we are slaves and we are servants of God, but it's not because we are slaves or servants of God to be accepted by God, it's because we are His children, we truly believe in what we how we live and what we say and what we do luke fifteen twenty two It says, but the father said to his servants. Now, remember, this is the prodigal son. Uh, Last week, we talked about how the son came to himself and he was coming home. And and this is where the father met up with him. And and the father didn't even allow him in verse 21 to, to say his little speech that I've sinned against your father and I'm not worthy to be your son. The father completely interrupted him. And this is what he said but the father said to his servants quickly bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet as sons and daughters we've each been given the robe of righteousness a ring of authority and shoes of sonship in this series sons not servants i pray will open up your eyes to the glorious truth of our true relationship with the Father. Today is ring of authority. When Jesus talks about how, about how, as sons and daughters, God has given us all authority over the over the enemy's schemes. So let's look at a few scriptures that's going to bring out this ring of authority, of how God has seen this ring of authority, at least through man's eyes. Genesis, we're going to go there, 41, 42, and 43. It says, Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. In verse 43, it says, And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, "Bow the knee, so he set him over all the land of Egypt. Well, the point of this this scripture is seen the signet ring that he put on his hand this This ring gave him the authority of just like the Pharaoh, the second in command. It was Pharaoh's own ring that he took off and put it on his hand. Let's look at another scripture Esther eight eight This is in New King James." You yourselves write a degree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring no one can revoke. See, this signet ring has a lot of power and it carries the authority. Let's look at Mark one twenty-two. And they were astonished, he's talking about Jesus now, at his teaching. And he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Well, this is an interesting scripture. He taught as one having authority, as one who has been given authority, not as the scribes. Like the scribes were uh, possibly teaching, guessing this is what it means, and guessing, uh, you know, they they weren't confident, they weren't speaking like Jesus was with authority. And in Romans 13:1, everyone how many did it say? Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God." That's an interesting scripture. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. That's exactly what we're doing when we've uh, postponed our church services because our governor has asked us to. This is a very difficult thing, but we're having to submit to governing authorities because the word of God tells us that we should. So what do we need to do? We need to be praying for our governor. We need to be praying for our president that. Um, this virus will soon be ended and we will be able to open our church doors. And of course, we'll we'll practice the best we can, social distancing and washing our hands. And if you feel you need to cover your face, by all means, cover your face. But we need to be obedient to what the governing authorities tell us we need to do. So it brings us to point number one. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to share with you the three points that I have for this message. These are points that Jesus displayed these points. And I, I, could, I could take you through the life of Christ and talk about how he had humility, faith, and obedience. That's the three points, humility, faith, and obedience. I could take you through that walk and we wouldn't even have time to, to get back to this message because that's is how Jesus conducted his life. But here's the first point. Point number one is humility. We lose our authority when we walk in pride. Jesus gave the 12 disciples and 70 new believers the same authority he gives to you and to me. God hides the knowledge of his authority over demonic spirits from the proud and the arrogant. He reveals his knowledge to those who walk humbly before him. It's a really interesting thing. These 70 new believers, God gave him the same authority that he gave to the 12 disciples and that he gives to both you and me. But here's the thing is, we lose our authority if we walk in pride. This is a very profound thing and and we have to be very careful that we don't see ourselves better than those who don't live the way that we do, this is so important that we understand this. We are not to be judgmental, we're not to be uh, criticized those who have different belief systems than we do. We are to love and we are to believe that God is going to get through to their sinful ways, not by us telling them, but by showing them how we live. And that the way we live brings us the blessing of God into our lives. He said, God hides the knowledge of this authority over those who are proud and arrogant. They tend to think that it's all about them. Let's look at some of these scriptures. Luke 9 1. It said, Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He gave them the power over demons and to cure diseases. Let's look at Luke 10, 1. It says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and every place where he himself was about to go. This is amazing. These are new believers. These are baby Christians. I'm going to show you that in Scripture. He baby Christians that he put together gave them the authority and sent them out let's look look at Luke 10 17 it says then the 70 returned with joy saying Lord even the demons are subject over us in your name and Jesus said wow that's fantastic no that's not what he said at all Jesus verse 18 says and he said to them I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Hmm. Behold, I gave you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do we believe that? Behold, I gave you authority to trample over serpents and scorpions. Are we talking about literal serpents and scorpions is that what jesus was talking about that we, we better have the shoes of sonship on our feet because uh, uh, we're gonna get bit he wasn't how ta- he was talking about spiritual aspects of the enemy that we have the authority to walk over the serpents and scorpions in this world which is the enemy which is spiritual enemies and over all the power and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, we listen to that, and people will say, whoa, wait a minute, the good die young. Haven't you ever seen a, a really good person, a, a Christ-believing person, and he gets sick and dies? What is that about when he says, nothing shall by any means hurt you? Do you realize that Christians don't die? This life, is nothing but a cocoon that is going to develop us into who we're going to be in Christ Jesus when we die. We don't die. That's that's the thing we got to get through our heads to realize we are walking in our eternity right now. Right now nothing can hurt us. Yes, we live in a fallen world and yes, we can get diseases and die. We can get hit by a truck and die. I can ride my motorcycle, get into a crash and die but it's not going to hurt me. I'm transported into his arms. I'm transported into heaven. I have eternal life, and I'm walking in it today. Nothing, nothing can take that away from me. So yeah, bad things do happen to good people. It depends on how you look at bad. You know, the bad thing about if I were to die today is that I would leave my wife alone, and she would be lonely. That would be the only bad thing. My kids would be without a father to to call and to, to ask how I'm doing or to ask me advice of what they should do. That's the only thing. Do not cry for me when I am gone. You may cry for me that you miss me. But I am not gone. I am in heaven. And I believe that with all my heart. Let's look at verse 20. It says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's what we need to be celebrating about. Not the fact that we have power over the enemy, that we can rebuke the devil and move him out of our lives, move him out of the lives of the people that he's trying to torment. It's the fact that our names are written in heaven, that we have eternal life. Verse 21 says, In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babies. Remember that 70 that I said was new Christians? This is who Jesus was talking about. He goes to the Father and he rejoices in the Spirit. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you gave this knowledge to these babies. Why? Because they're, they're humble and they believe. And they haven't gotten all arrogant. They haven't gotten all caught up into religious aspect of things. They just believe. We all need to get back to where we first believed. We need to remember that feeling when we first came to know the Lord, we were set free, we were brand new, and God is good. Even so, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Now, I kind of messed that up. It says, let me read 21 to you again. He said, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to the babies. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. God said, these are the people, the people who have that childlike faith, who simply believe, are the ones who are given, who is given the knowledge and to be able to uh, live and walk in that faith that brings us to the second point, number two. Faith. Faith is what you believe. Believing a lie can hinder your authority. God wants us to understand spiritual authority. You have to understand whatever whatever you believe is where your faith is. We have to believe that God's word is true, that we have everlasting life in him. We have to believe that he truly died on the cross and by his stripes we are already healed. Whether we see it or not, we speak those things that are not as though they were. Why? Because we believe. This is where the biggest problem of Christianity really lies. Do we really believe What we say we believe. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 16. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Wow. Above all, taking the shield of faith. That shield of faith is what you believe in which you will be able to quench the fiery darts. The fiery darts of Satan, that just tells us that we're going to have hard times in this life. We are going to be shot with fiery darts from the wicked one. Our shield of faith, is it going to defend us? Or are we going to succumb to the fiery darts that Satan begins to shoot at us? You see, it's normal for demonic spirits to attack us. It's normal for us to go through hard times. We live in a fallen, broken world. It is normal for us to go through these very difficult times. But what's not normal is for the children of God to lose. That's what's not normal. We don't lose. We are the children of God, and we have eternal salvation. We do not lose. But see, I don't think we really truly believe that. I think we struggle with it. I, I think that that we just, we, we see and think that we're not supposed to go through these hard times. What? Everyone throughout the, the living word of God Moses had to walk through the Red Sea. Daniel, he didn't wasn't spared the lion's den. He was thrown into the lion's den, and, and God closed the mouths of the lions. The three Hebrews, they had to go through the fiery furnace, and there is where God meant them. We are going to go through hard times, and we need to understand that our shield of faith, that is what you believe, is what's going to protect you. Matthew 8, 5 through 10. I'm in the New King James Bible. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a Ascentron came to him, pleading with him. A Ascentron is a, a Roman commander, and he came to him, pleading to him, saying, Lord, My servant is lying home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. This guy is in really bad shape. Whatever's happening, he is paralyzed and he's dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Praise God. Jesus is going to come. But look at what this centron said. The centron answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. Wow. He said in verse 9, For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and he said to those who followed him, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying because this man, this man, this, this Roman centrum, understands centurion, he understands the role of authority. He understands that he's under authority of his commanders, of his governor, of whoever's leading these troops. And he understands that he has authority over those. And we have all been given authority. And he said to Jesus, all you have to do is speak it, because I believe it. What you say, because you're under the authority of God, will happen. That's faith. That's faith. And we all should be there. You have been given the same authority as the 70 that Jesus sent out, as the 12 disciples to be able to to heal, to be able to cast out demonic spirits. You have the authority. We just don't use it because we don't realize it. We don't understand it. And it brings me to point number three. Point number three is obedience. Jesus received authority by doing the will of the Father. Jesus received authority... by doing the will of the Father. We also receive authority... from the Father... by obeying His will for our lives... by believing what His Word has taught us. Let's look at Matthew 21... 23 through 31. Now when He came into the temple the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching. And they said to him, By what authority, Jesus, by what authority do you are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Good question. But Jesus answered and said to them, I will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, if you can answer what I'm going to ask, I will likewise tell you by what authority I do these things. And they were thinking, okay. Verse 25, Jesus said, The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear, look at all these people, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, we don't know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. But, verse 28, he gives him a but. He says, but what do you think? He tells him this little story. A man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go to work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. The son said, I know, I'm not going to do it. But afterward... He regretted it, and he went. Then he came to the second son and said likewise. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, The first. And Jesus said to them assuredly, I say to you, that tax collectors and harlots will enter the kingdom of God before you. Wow, those were harsh words. So what does the scripture mean, pastor? What is this little story about the two sons? Well, they answered correctly. They answered correctly. And if they could answer that correctly, why don't they believe in God? Why don't they believe in Jesus? This is what Jesus was trying to show them. And he said even the tax collectors, the lowest of the low, the harlots, the prostitutes, those people, the people who steal, the people who lie, the people who do immoral things, they will go to heaven before you because they will believe. Jesus is not shutting the door on these people. He's actually trying to show them that they need to believe. They need to be obedient, they need to be humble, and they need to have faith. It requires faith to believe, because whatever you believe, that's where you put your faith. Where are you at? Do you believe that you are the righteousness of God, that you are a son of God? And the things that you do, the good things that you do, is because you are a son, not because you're trying to... Be the perfect son. Because guess what? You're going to fail. I'm going to fail. We're all going to fail. We all fail. None of us can do it. But Jesus said, All I ask you to do is to believe. So let me ask you this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you what is he saying to me I need to increase my faith I need to be humble before him I need to stop seeing myself as better than some of those better than that guy over there this girl over there you know so often there's so many of us that um, we've been in church for a long time Especially young people. I have a real burden for young people. You know, they there's really good Christian kids. They've been in church and they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they haven't been living that way. Now, according to what everybody sees, they still look like the same god fearing teenager that's been going to church and helping in the church. But yet they know, they know that they haven't been living that way. They haven't been trusting God. They haven't been really believing all the truth that they know, that they have heard, that they have been taught. And this is what I'm saying to you. I'm not saying you're bad because you're not bad. I'm saying, that you're opening the door for the enemy to come in. You're just opening that door. And the enemy can come in and begin to build strongholds in your life. And eventually, eventually you're going to say, how did I get this far down the road? What am I even doing here? This isn't what I believe. This isn't even who I am. But because you've opened that door, and maybe it's because we haven't been able to be in church together for so long, and And different thoughts and different friends and different things are happening in your life that it just doesn't make any sense. You're acting differently and you're experiencing things differently and your thoughts have been different. And I'm telling you that God still loves you. And we want to close that door. We want to build that shield of faith to avoid those fiery darts that are coming at us. That are going to try to take us out and try to take you down a road that will take you further and further from God's presence. Excuse me. We have to do these things. We have to believe. And there are some of those Christians that uh, also have a burden for and that, that have been like me in the past. I've, I've fallen into pride and thinking that I'm all that. I mean, I'm the pastor of the church and and uh, let me tell you a story. I, I It happened to me um, quite a few years ago. I was pastoring the church plant that I had. And we were in a building at that time that sat probably 350 people. It was the biggest building that I had had in that ministry. And we had a funeral uh, in the church. The church had attendance of maybe 60 60, 70 people at the time. and There was a young man in our church attending there and he had suffered a death to a drug overdose. And so he had attended the church a few times. I knew who he was and um, we were asked if we would do his funeral and I was very excited. I knew that because of this young man's popularity that we were going to have a full church. I'm talking three... 50 to maybe 400 people inside of this building. And I had prepared a service. I had prepared a message um, that was, I hope, to reach the population of these people that were coming in. A lot were young people, high school age people, friends of this young man who had passed away. And the Lord began to speak to me and said, I don't want you to teach that message. I don't want you to preach that message. But you see, in my heart, I was so prideful. I've, I want everybody to hear me preach. This is my opportunity to have a full house. I had never preached in this church with this many people all gathering at the same time. It's my chance. It's my opportunity to show everybody um, my ability to express the living word of God. So my heart was right in the fact that I wanted people to hear the Word of God, but my motives were all about me. Were not about what these people that were suffering this loss. And the Holy Spirit said, Do not, do not preach that message to these people. I want you to go out there and I want you to simply love on them and tell them how sorry I was that this young man had lost his life and to gently give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't preach at them. And I thought to myself, I said, Lord, I have have prepared for this for two weeks. I am ready to give them the message. People will be saved if they can hear this message. And I didn't mind the Holy Spirit. I didn't pay any attention to what he was telling me. I took my Bible out there and I opened it up and I started giving them. I don't remember what the message was about. I'm sure it wasn't fire and brimstone, but it certainly was heavy. And about halfway through, maybe it wasn't even halfway through, I would say about 50 of these young people, maybe more, began to stand up one at a time and shout me down. They were shouting at me that I didn't know what I was talking about, that I had no love. And then another one would stand up and shout at me That, and say, you know, a, a religious fanatic and that I didn't understand kids and I didn't know the young man who died. And another one would get up and shout something really rude at me and walked out and it, it went on for several minutes. It seemed like eternity to me. And about 50 of those those young people got up and marched out of the building completely disgusted. It broke me. I laid my Bible down on the steps, and I come down the steps of the pulpit from behind the pulpit. I laid my Bible down on the on the steps, and I said to the people i I grievously apologize to all of you." And a pastor, one person said, hey, pastor, don't don't apologize. We, we like the message. And I said, no, you don't understand. The Holy Spirit had warned me not to preach this message. But I so wanted to show off my skills as a preacher that it was about me and it wasn't about them. And this time is for them and it's for the family that's That's grieving the loss of this precious young man. And I wasn't obedient. And the Holy Spirit tried to warn me. And this is a perfect example. When we walk in pride, we have no authority. And the Holy Spirit had pulled my authority because I wasn't obedient to what the Holy Spirit was trying to say. And I continued on for a little while just apologizing to people and just telling them some some loving things about a loving God and I ended the service and this was a Saturday memorial and there was a few people from our church that were there but mostly this was all uh, young people and families of this young man who passed away so that Sunday morning I apologized to my church the church people and humbly walked before them and said i will never be disobedient to the holy spirit again because we have to walk in humility and when god speaks to our heart we need to we need to respond with humility not with pride not with arrogance we are just people that's all we are so anyway I pray that this message has spoke to you, that you realize you are a son and you have a ring on your finger, that spiritual ring that gives you the authority to cast out demons, to speak to that sickness, and to know, to know that you are the righteousness of God and you have eternal life. That nothing in this world can hurt us. And we have to believe that. God bless you listeners. I'm so looking forward to getting into the shoes of sonship. And I'm looking forward to that next week. And I'm praying that we can all be together here soon. Don't forget to pay attention to uh, Facebook Live. We'll be uh, live on the Tuolumne County Baptist Church uh, Facebook page. We'll be live at 1030 uh, Sunday morning. This very same message, but you'll be able to see it live. You'll be able to see my new hairstyle. Uh, In case you haven't seen me on Facebook, you're going, what does that mean? Well, just watch Facebook Live and you will see. God bless you. I love you. I cannot wait to see you again. We will all be together soon. Amen.